What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and total beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me to break all COVID-related things down, Arif Dean, and of course, Patrick Stedman with us on the ones and twos. Arif, it's really sad. We're here on a rare Saturday night. We don't ever record Saturday nights. We're supposed to be on our way to Ball Arena right now to watch the Avalanche take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, which would have been an awesome game, especially with the way the Avalanche have been playing at home. But instead, here we are, shut down for the third time in 2021. Yeah, we were actually going to record like three hours ago, but my producer came out and you know he pointed me out of the room and said, take a hike. You're not, you're not doing this podcast. You're going into protocol. So I went into protocol. Luckily, you came out with a negative. Uh, had to do a negative and came out with a negative, and here we are. I'm, I'm allowed back. On, <laughs> I'm like Jack Johnson, you know. I'm, I'm ready How ridiculous to rock. was that with Jack Johnson, right? Was, you're hearing about K.O. McCarr. You're watching the game, and you're like, all right, well, what, what the heck are they going to do? You're watching Jordan Gross out there. You're watching some guys you you know did not expect to see in an half sweater even this season, let alone in that game. And uh, then you're like, where's Jack Johnson? Where's Jack Johnson? He appears. Alleged, apparently passed his COVID test. Just so much crazy shit going hey, on right hey, now. Hey, Pavel, we got some good news for you. You're welcome back to the NHL. You're going to play a game, but your top four defense is going to involve Jordan Gross and Curtis McDermott. <laughs> Enjoy, bud. Like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> We're all tired. That Nashville game was about the most, like, the biggest shit show of a day I've ever seen. And the stories kept coming out more and more. And then we talked to Jared Bednar after the game. And did you get a chance to listen to his comments? You know what the hell was going on either. He's like, yeah, we're, we're in the locker room. It's, you know, it's a, it's a seven o'clock puck drop. It's 530. And they came and pointed out a couple guys and said, get out of the room. You have COVID. And then like half an hour later, they came and did the same thing with like Darcy Kemper, the goalie that was going to start the game an hour and 20 minutes before the game started, an hour and a half before the game started, and then Kale McCarr. And it's like, what are we doing here? These guys are sitting in a locker room together. We are on Zoom, or right now we're Skype, whatever the hell we're doing. Those guys weren't on Skype. Those guys were sitting in the locker room together. You're pulling Devon Taves out of the, well, not Devon. You're pulling Kale McCarr out of the locker room. You're pulling JT Comfer, Andre Burakovsky. Did you not think the other guys that are sitting around them that have been high-fiving them, did the morning skate with them. Those guys don't have COVID. At this point, the Avalanche just confirmed, Peter Baugh just you know, just tweeted how they confirmed that a whole bunch of other guys have tested positive since they left the Nashville game, all with no symptoms or mild symptoms. But what the hell is going on? Well, yeah, if you listen to our last podcast, it was no surprise to us, right? We made the point of why. how was it only Devon Taves that tested positive after that Florida game, after they were all skating around together and there was multiple positives out of the Florida side, right? So uh, it, I guess it's not a surprise. It's annoying that it's coming so late, right? Because you know, that that's the problem I think I have with these COVID tests right now is that they're coming up so late. I think all the guys from the Avalanche that tested positive that morning probably got it on Sunday from Florida, right? Because that's when Devon Taves got it. That's when Ryan Lomberg got it from the Panthers. And then they got another game in with the Rangers. So now you know the Rangers are probably jeopardized. And then it wasn't until... Thursday morning, I guess even late in the afternoon, that they started getting these results back as positive. And that is just so, I don't know, it's hard to really sit here and get annoyed because the whole world's going through something very serious. So you don't want to just sit here and say, oh, screw COVID. I'm so tired of it. But I mean, we are, right? And the players are too. You can hear it in their voices. Kale McCarr talks about it. He's like, all we could do is our best. We got vaccinated like we asked for. And that's what I think the players are so frustrated for. They've done everything they've been asked to, and the system still seems to be failing. So um, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to go full Steve Eiserman here, but I, I mean, something, there has to be a healthy medium between what we've got going on right now and I guess what Steve Eiserman wants. Well, I mean, look, for for those that obviously are unaware of what the Steve Eisenman reference is, Eisenman straight up just came out on video, uh, tweeted out by Fox 2 Detroit, uh, talking about how a lot of these guys are getting COVID, they're healthy, they have no or, mi- or minimal symptoms, uh, why are we testing these guys, they want to play, like, there's no reason to test guys that don't have any symptoms. And that's an opinion that a lot of people share. I do to an extent, and I say to an extent because I'm not a medical professional, but I kind of see the situation and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, maybe that kind of does make sense. But at the same time, here's the biggest issue with the NHL. This is a multi-country league. 
The NBA has one team in Canada, and if Canada doesn't cooperate, they tell the Raptors to relocate, and you guys are going to play an entire year in Tampa Bay or something, and uh, sucks to suck, but that's that's the case. That's the situation. That's what's going to happen. In the NHL, we have seven teams, so it's a little bit different. Do we think for a second that the Canadian government is going to allow something like that to happen? Let's kind of take it a step further and and, and kind of go into what the NFL is doing right now. The NFL sent out a release today. So obviously the NHL sent out a release today talking about how their new protocols are going to be uh, similar to last year. They're going to instruct players and families to not have big gatherings for the holidays and don't go out for dinner, don't go out and buy groceries, don't go out and do all these different things that you've been doing to live a little bit of a normal life. The NFL went the other way. The NFL released a statement and, you know, the NFL has got a lot more on the line because they're getting closer to the playoffs, unlike the NHL. And they said, based on pending updates to NFL and NFLPA protocols, all tier one and tier two staff, which I assume are like players and then like coaching staff and things like that, do not need to undergo COVID-19 testing unless you are currently experiencing symptoms, i.e. cough, congestion, fever, body aches, loss of taste, smell, etc., or you would like to test voluntarily. This change begins tomorrow and testing hours will remain the same. Please work any symptoms through your teamwork screening app or by contacting a member of the medical staff directly. You should not enter the building if you are symptomatic. So here's what we're doing right now. We had an NHL locker room in Nashville of a bunch of guys that were ready to go. Uh, I feel I feel bad for guys like Darcy Kemper and, and Kale McCarr the most because those guys were literally in their uniforms ready to rock an hour before pregame warm-up, less than an hour before pregame warm-up. You know, if they drink pre-workouts, they probably had that in them already. They were buzzing. They were ready to rock. And somebody came and pointed them out and said, your test came positive. And they're just like, what, what, I, I, what do you, I feel fine. And Kale McCarr would have went out there and scored two goals like he does every single night and thinks he's not capable of. Like it was just a normal game for them but they still had to get tested it came negative they played against the national predators the predators have nine positives the avalanche have just around there maybe even more than that and now the national predators who played the chicago blackhawks before they were shut down are now playing the dallas stars so now Chicago's going to get a bunch of positives in that national game hand it to dallas and by tomorrow sunday by the time you're listening to this chicago and dallas are probably going to be shut down too because nashville was because colorado was because florida was and it's just the chain is going to go and it's going to reach every single team most of these guys aren't feeling any symptoms what the hell's going on Again, not a surprise to us because we pointed out the other day how across the league, teams are jumping around and and they're hitting a heavy part of their schedule, right? So going from city to city to city to city, and it takes five days for this to actually pop up positive. I mean, you're obviously just behind, I don't know, you're chasing your tail there, right? And And really, really quick, really quick. The other thing is in Canada, their test results don't come as fast. So now you got Canadian teams that have to wait even longer. It's just nothing is consistent. Right, and then there's obvious problems with not testing people who are vaccinated right because that doesn't prevent spread unless you're back in the bubble and the players are only interacting amongst themselves then you know then you don't have anything to worry about but that's not like you said they're living their lives they're going to the grocery store they're going to see their families at christmas time it's not the case so i don't know but we all have jobs we all have everyday lives i'm a 28 year old relatively healthy guy that runs and works out and, and and pays attention to his health too i don't get tested every day to go to work I could have COVID right now. I could have given it to my roommate and he could have showed up to the press box tomorrow and given it to all of you. Like it's something feels off here. And I understand what the NHL is doing. The NHL is being proactive because if one guy, as morbid as this sounds, if one guy drops dead on the ice, this league is toast. The legality battles are going to be too much to handle. So they need to take that extra precaution. But you don't see every other company doing that. It's just, it's... Something seems off here. And I again, I, I'm, I'm trying my hardest to like toe the line of how strong I want to give an opinion here because I'm not a medical expert by any means. I'm just a 28-year-old guy that writes about hockey, runs fitness studios, and is you know triple jabbed. I got the vaccine and the booster. Like That's all I am. I'm just a guy like that. And I'm also a guy that hopped off a flight from Detroit uh, or from Toronto two weeks ago, uh, and I was sick for 36 hours. And then I felt better and I was fine and I didn't get tested and I didn't go to work for two days and my roommate wasn't around. So who knows if I was, you know, contagious, but now I'm fine. Could have been COVID, couldn't have been. Who the hell knows? Like, it's just was another sickness. So you're saying maybe you're the one that infected Kale McCarr. 
<laughs> no, I kid. I kid because, and that's what, you, you know, obviously a thought like that runs in your head, but I'm sure, you know, I just came back from a cruise. I'm sure the guy next to us had, you know, gone out and seen some friends at a bar. It's not like everybody's shut their lives down to where it's not, you, you can't simply pinpoint where this is coming from and how to get it out, right? I mean, until yeah. you don't allow media, you don't allow fans, which is the step that's been taken in Canada, the fans now, um, you know, and completely isolate everyone from everyone, this is going to continue to be a problem. So, And that's, impo- and that's impossible exactly. to do. You can't do that at this point. The whole purpose of this was let's get the entire league vaccinated for a reason, and the entire league, minus one guy in Detroit, is vaccinated, minus one guy in the AHL who's never going to get called up by the Dallas Stars because he's not vaccinated. Everybody else is vaccinated, and uh, if if Tyler Bertuzzi and if Joel Lesperance want to get tested every single day, so be it. You chose not to get the vaccine. That's okay. That's your right. Here's what you have to do based off of company policy and uh, the policy of this private league called the NHL. Everybody else, if you're in the locker room and you're Kel McCarr and you're ready to go and um, you have a scratchy throat and a cough and a, and a stuffy nose— then yeah, you're the medical trainer. You'd be like, hey, you, you got to go get tested because you got some symptoms going on here. And Kale's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm ready to go. It's like, well, it's not your choice anymore. But that's not what happened in Nashville. He was sitting in the locker room. He was ready to go. And his test came back positive, which obviously means watching all of these tests and what's happening around the NHL, even with the Omicron variant that's kind of ravaging the world right now is... People that are vaccinated aren't feeling heavy symptoms. It's not deadly. People aren't ending up in hospital beds in the in the intensive care unit. People seem fine. So if that's the case, do we need to consider not testing them? But again, it goes back to the initial initial point I made. This is a multi-country league. It's Canada and the U.S. It's not just the U.S. And that's what makes it even harder for the NHL compared to other leagues to do like to do things like this, like the NFL, because as soon as we try to get into that point. It's going to go right back to the North Division. Winnipeg's out of the Central, and and we're back to an all-Canadian division, and nobody wants that. Yeah, nobody wants that. I mean, it's such a mess, and it's just so tough. There's no real answer, right? I mean, it's going to be people on one side banging the table for one option and people on the other side for the other option, and it's just neither are going to be right, and that's the tough part is nobody has any idea of a solution right now. Um, But one thing really quick. Sorry, go, no, no, you go first. No, I was going to change topic, so go ahead. Okay, so really quick, the athletic senior writer, Nicole Arbach, who is the host of the Big Ten, or who is an analyst for the Big Ten Network, Go Blue, tweeted a little bit earlier today, to be clear, to be simpler, most college football programs have not been testing asymptomatic vaccinated individuals unless there's a compelling reason to, based on close contact, risk, risk assessment, blah, 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 blah. This is basically what the NFL is moving to. So even in college football, like how many college football games have we seen where you've seen like a star quarterback get pulled from the game? None, because they feel fine. Michigan, when they went out and beat Ohio State, I rushed the field. You guys all saw the pictures and the videos online of the big house in Ann Arbor on November 27th. I was on that field. Somebody on that field had COVID. I guarantee you, like there's no chance 110,000 people were on that football field and somebody didn't have COVID. They were probably vaccinated. They probably passed it on to a bunch of others who were also vaccinated, who were all asymptomatic, who all went home to their families, who were also asymptomatic and everything's fine because they made the responsible decision to get the vaccine. So the NFL is going to do what college football is doing the NHL's got to consider it at this point. It's what Steve Eiserman wants. It's what everybody wants. But again, who knows if they can get there. Now we can change the subject. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, I don't know. It's a tough, such a tough topic. And like you said, we're not medical professionals. So our opinions mean squat, but it, you know, it's just hard, hard to figure out, I guess, hard to navigate for the NHL world here. But yeah, the point I wanted to get to was how we heard that the, Avalanche actually were given the option heading into that game whether or not they wanted to play it. And I thought that was pretty wild considering, you know, I I don't feel like players often get much say. And for them to go ahead and say, yeah, we got this. Let's do it. We're going to beat these guys and then go out and kind of lay an egg. Um, I I just thought that was fascinating. I didn't know that players would get that much say. 
I thought it was fascinating and I thought it was silly until I realized afterward what Jared Bednar and Miko Rantanen were saying post game. And I'm like, you know what? This makes sense because a lot of other teams were like, well, why didn't the team X or team Y, the Islanders, the Boston Bruins, why didn't they get to choose? It's like or even the National Predators, a team on the other side that, you know, their entire coaching staff was in COVID protocol, too. And it's because these were full rosters that knew before going into the game that that was the case. So if the Avalanche in Denver before they took that flight, had all those positive COVID tests, they would have packed some extra carry-ons. Here is Martin Cowell. Here is uh, this guy. Here is Eustace Andunen. Here is uh, an extra forward, an extra couple defensemen. I don't know. Who else can you call up to play play on the blue line? Dennis Gilbert. Let's call up all these guys. Let's bring them to Nashville to play. The reason why the Avalanche were given the choice is because they had 19 guys in the locker room. They had two goalies and 17 skaters. There was going to be one healthy scratch. And then they ended up Losing a goalie, they no longer have two goalies. They ended up losing Burakovsky, then Comfer, two forwards. So now they were down to 10 forwards. Those seven defensemen they had, they lost Makar, they're down to six. So they went from packing extra and taking Jordan Gross with them to suddenly, like imagine they didn't call up Jordan Gross last minute and take him with them to Nashville. Imagine they took 18 skaters. They would have played that game as crazy as it is that they played with 10 forwards and six defensemen. It would have been 10 forwards, five defensemen, one of which was Jack Johnson that appeared late in the first. It would have literally been Gerard, Eric Johnson, Curtis McDermott, and Justin Barron for an entire freaking period. <laughs> That's why they were given the choice. So I see why they were given the choice compared to other teams. I also see why they said, fuck it, we're here. Let's just play the game. Let's just get it over with. It's not going to change anything, whatever. Maybe we can pull out a miracle victory, but like literally, like you flew all the way from Denver to Nashville. You got your morning skate in, you got your workout in, your mid-game, your pre-game nap, you got your equipment on, you're ready to go. And then the coaches are like, hey guys, you can back out of this if you want. Like we're already here. Let's just freaking, let's do it and leave. So what if we lose? We're the avalanche. We're 10-2-1 and one in our last however many games. whoop do doo We'll get it back. Oh, I also so think I get they it. think... We also have Nathan McKinnon and Mikko Rantanen still on the ice, yeah. so we should have no problem winning this game. And I and I'm Nazem Kadri. I can put up a point every game, which by the way he did. It's just hilarious. And I'm, you know, <laughs> Valerie Nachushkin. I'll score again. We never lose with me in the lineup. And I'm this, and I'm that. And lo and behold, here we are. They lost five two. And do they regret it? Maybe, maybe not. At the same, I I honestly don't think they regret it. In their mind, they're like, you know what. We now we're looking at this and we already have to reschedule four games into an already cramped schedule. Where the hell were we going to fit the Nashville game? Just give them the two points. Who gives a shit? We don't need it. We're going to make the playoffs. They might. They might not. Who cares? I don't know. I feel like there's still some standing implications, right? You'd hate to uh, come to the end of the season and the Avs are in the wild card spot by two points, you know? So I think every game matters and, and having F- Francis play that game, I think that's your first red flag. I think for him that he he probably, you know, Shiz pants a little bit, maybe even just yeah. a little bit before that you, game. Like, oh, oh God! Now, now is my time to come back. Do you really think that the Avalanche are going to be a wild card team? No, no, I don't. But I'm just. Yeah. I, I think just they saying. know that too. I know, but I think they know that too. If the difference is they lose the division title by a couple points, so now they got to play. Uh, I don't know, St. Louis instead of who's in the second wild card spot, Edmonton. Who cares? And I think that's where they how they see it too, and that's probably why they played the game. It's like even if we lose this game, whatever. I don't know. It's just it seems like it's 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 a lot to think about for game number twenty seven of an eighty two game season, where your record the last fifteen games has been nearly unbeatable, even with all the injuries you've dealt with. Definitely, I guess that's a message I wish I could have been relayed. You know that they're like ah here if we lose we don't care. Because mm. I laid some heavy action on DraftKings this week for, just for that game, for that game specifically. Because you wake up that morning, you read, oh, Nashville has, what was it, nine positive cases, and the Avalanche had oh, most of their players playing. You're like, oh, the Avalanche are going to go in there and stomp. And then the news just kept breaking and just kept breaking my heart. But <laughs> it's okay because we still got NFL bets ahead. And football fans, I'm sure we all love an action packed, high scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner 
once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS to bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers-only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Man, betting on hockey is already hard enough, and now having to deal with all of these COVID protocol things happening last minute like how do you how do you even predict that like the Nashville game I was talking to one of my buddies in Detroit and I'm like dude hammer the avalanche hammer him he took him 300 on the money line at minus 170 odds then the game started he's like Eric where the fuck is the team I'm like I don't know I think they all got COVID like 20 minutes ago sorry man I took the minus one and a half because it was a plus 140 which is mouth-watering right you think oh wow if the Avs just win by two 140 to 100 so um yeah it was depressing but that's the way betting goes. I mean, you look at a game tonight, Carolina playing the LA Kings. Carolina's hosting the Kings, who the Kings are halfway down with COVID. I don't think Carolina has too many positive tests. So that's a good game to still bet. So there are still games here and there, but I'm with you. If you're betting hockey right now, just take a, take a break, Christmas break, rejoin again once uh, the league gets going, because right now it's so unpredictable. You have no idea what's going to happen until puck drop. You know, it's funny, the morning after the Rangers game, even though Devon Taves was on COVID protocol already, I kind of, I mean, for starters, I've been kind of predicting this for a while because I'm like, the game in Detroit is December 20. And I'm talking specifically about the game in Detroit. I'm like, it's December 20. It's right around Christmas. There's a chance that the NHL is going to have some kind of a COVID outbreak around the holidays because that seems like the perfect timing where a lot of people get together and the weather gets colder. Me and my luck, I'm going to book a flight to go to Detroit and it's going to end up getting canceled. So I kind of have always had that on the back of my mind. But still, after the Rangers game, I was texting my brother, you know, my family, who all want to come out to the game, got some Avalanche fans in the family, take a niece and nephew, something. And my brother was like, yeah, should I get tickets for that game? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Monday Mm -hmm. night, I'll be there. We'll all have a blast. Uh, Obviously, me being up in the press box. So my brother spent I think it was like 290 bucks on like five tickets or four tickets or something for, you know, him and him and some of my family members. And then not less than 24 hours, not even not even four hours later, I sent him a screenshot of all the guys that went to protocol against Nashville and not 24 hours later, the entire game shut down. So he's like, so what do I do? Do I get my refund? I'm like, probably not. Just got to wait. Just got to wait to see when the game is rescheduled. But you know, it's 6 p.m. on Saturday right now in less than 24 hours. I'm taking a flight to Detroit. And um, and uh, just not cover a game, so yeah. I mean, that's assuming that by the time it gets rescheduled, fans are back in the building, right? I mentioned how in Canada they're start already starting to take them out of the building, and you know other teams were shut down: Calgary, Florida, Nashville, Boston. Today, five of the ten games that were slotted are postponed. So, I mean, I guess, Arif, what direction do you think this goes in? Do do you see a league wide shutdown? Do you see fans back out of the building? Where where does the NHL go? The NHL is not going to go that way. They would have a there is a better chance that they switch to an all Canadian division and an all American conference or whatever the hell you want to call it, where in America they all travel, not just among like specific divisions like last year. There's a bigger chance that they do that than they take the fans out of the arenas and they go toward the NFL model of not testing people that are asymptomatic. Because the NHL very last minute had to pull the fans from the Montreal Philadelphia game on Thursday. And people were pissed about that because that's a $2.3 million gate that the NHL lost at the snap of a finger. Today, Montreal's supposed to play Boston, or I forget who. Montreal's supposed to play somebody tonight, Hockey Night in Canada, and they canceled the game. They canceled it strictly for financial reasons. It's because we can't play this without fans. We're not We're not going to force it. Why are we going to keep losing $2 million? Gary Bettman at the Board of Governor meeting just last week was talking about how the salary cap in about three and a half years is going to start to take a bump up. The NHLPA is going to have paid off all the escrow and, and their side of the dues of all of this COVID losses. And we'll be ready to see the salary cap raise. And then boom, just like that, $2.3 million lower in the gutters. 
So there's no way in hell they're going to play games without fans. Toronto and, and Ottawa obviously have switched to half capacity. Ontario's usually a little bit more strict on this stuff. But there's still 9,000 people there. I don't see them going down to zero. I think, I think the NHL... If they do go on a break, it's not going to be to go on a break to come back with no fans. It's going to be to go on a break to come back and figure out how do we do this? How do we change the testing protocols where we don't have to keep stopping games? Because I don't even think we've seen stories of like COVID outbreaks like we were back in, uh, you know, in 2020 when like, who was it? Was it uh, not Roger Federer? Who's the other tennis guy? Uh, uh, Djokovic. Novak Djokovic went to like a concert or whatever. Remember that whole story? He went to a concert in the middle of COVID and there was an outbreak and a ton of people ended up hospitalized and stuff. Like we're not even hearing about things like that happening at sporting events. So it's not just the players on the ice that if they get COVID are asymptomatic. It's us and the fans. Just like the example of me at the big house. Like People maybe went home with that, but we're not hearing any stories of like outbreaks in Ann Arbor, Michigan, of hospitals being overflowed and overloaded with patients that went to the Michigan game on a Saturday. So I don't know. I just I don't think the NHL is ever going to get to that point. They can't afford to at this point. Like that's not an option unless this pandemic gets as bad as it was in 2020, which as bad as the numbers are right now, it's not there because a lot of these people are vaccinated. Well, I mean, that makes me think you bring up the point of, you know, there might be another Canadian division and that they might just readjust the divisions like they did last year. But if you do that, don't you think a lot of these Canadian teams end up with an empty building or at least half capacity? And like you're saying, they're losing money anyway. So, I mean, it it sounds like it's the NHL versus Canada. Well, in that sense, well, you're you're losing you're losing money anyway, but you're not flying the Avalanche out to Montreal only to find out Burakovsky, Comfer, Makar, and Kemper have COVID, only to have to leave them there and come back home without them. That's the difference. In America, they will probably let you play those guys if they're asymptomatic and not test them. In Canada, it's not going to happen. So what we're seeing right now, we're Teams are playing six, seven, eight men short, playing a lot of their AHL guys. That'll continue to happen in Canada unless they decide to change things over there because those are just the rules of the government, and that's fine. But I don't think American teams want to continue to deal with that. So it'll be a little bit of a different case. It'll it'll be, you know, that what what happened the other day in Nashville wouldn't happen. Basically. And I think after these next or these last couple days, we can all but kiss the Olympics goodbye, right? I mean, it's been a hot topic lately, and now I feel like the, the NHL has no choice but to not go anymore. There's, it's not even a conversation right now. Like, it's not even a topic of conversation right now because a week ago it was like, oh, can the NHL players make the Olympics happen? And now it's like, can the NHL players make it to Sunday? Like, there's, there's. Uh, whether they're thinking one way or another of going or not, being the NHLPA, being even the IOC, if, if the Olympics as a whole are going to happen anyway. None of those conversations have happened yet because people are so fixated on what's happening literally by the hour here in the NHL right now, which is players entering COVID protocol, coaches entering COVID protocol, emergency backup goalies. Like The e-bug story was cute for a little while. Oh, accountant guy in Chicago and oh, David Ayers, the Zamboni driver beat Toronto during COVID. It's just stupid. It was kind of cool in Toronto. Oh, my God. Darcy Kemper, last minute injury. Let's talk to this Jet Alexander guy. The guy in Nashville had no like nothing in me wanted to learn anything about him. I'm like, this is stupid. This is ridiculous. Like Darcy Kemper should be starting and Pavel Francis should be the backup goalie. I could care less about this guy right now. It's not cute anymore. That's how I felt about Jed Alexander. But, you know, that's neat. Well, that was a little bit different because I was there and it was kind of like the hoopla of it all happening, like unfolding before your very eyes. And the fact that it was in Toronto where they had already lost to David Ayers. I'm like, this is kind of funny, but it's no longer cute. It's just it's it's getting stupid. The emergency backup goalie. I know why the NHL does it and why it's implemented, but it's implemented for a reason, not for COVID. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess where do we go from here? What what what? uh what to expect, Arif? I don't know. I mean, we're kind of at a, a point where we talked about the Nashville game. We talked about what's ahead. It's like we don't we don't know what what the future has in store in regards to all this. You know what what do we do? I think we're going to see a lot more teams get shut down between now and the holiday break when everybody has those you know regular two three days off around Christmas, and uh, during that time, the people at the top running this league and running the NHLPA 
they're not going to have much of a holiday. They're going to have to sit there and adapt and find a way to make it so that this doesn't keep happening. Today, there's 10 games scheduled Saturday. Five of them are being played. I think over the next four or five days, I don't know the exact number of games scheduled, but let's just say between now and the holiday break, there's 45 games scheduled. I bet you only like 20 of them get played, if even that much. And the NHL says, coming out of the Christmas holidays, here's what we're going to do to change things, whether it's change the schedule, change the divisions, change how often we test. They got to get on the phone of the Canadian government and be like, look, let's do this. The NFL is doing it. Please, oh, freaking please, let's switch to this kind of a system. Figure out something. And after the holidays, they'll implement it because you can't have these games keep getting rescheduled. Like we're at a point where the Olympic break isn't going to be enough to reschedule these games. The NHL regular season already goes until the end of April, which is already abnormal because the NHL regular season usually ends by April 7 or 8. So now what are you going to do? Go into May and then the playoffs are going to go into July. Nobody wants that. The NHL doesn't want that. They want to go back to a regular schedule and they're running out of runway here with the idea in mind that you're leaving the Olympics and you're going to use those days. You're still running out of runway. You can't have this many games get canceled and postponed. Yeah, and then you you have to have the whole concept of momentum in mind, right? Uh, all momentum that the Avalanche, I guess, have built in the last three weeks is just going to be halted and basically starting from scratch. You almost have to open a new training camp, get people back in shape, and get people back in the flow of things. And that's what's crazy. You and I have mentioned a hundred times how, I guess, inconsistent this schedule has been so far. They finally found some consistency and some rhythm, and here they go with another long break. So, I mean, this is just the season from hell. If there's anybody that's used to it in the calendar year 2021, it's a right. team that's been shut down twice and still found a way to win the President's Trophy. And it's it's hilarious you mentioned that because after the Rangers game, Nathan McKinnon said, we've got 30 games. We're, we're in the middle of a 30 and 55, 30 games of 55 nights. I don't even know when we would play games if we rescheduled them. And then four days later, four <laughs> games canceled. But that goes back to my point. That's why they played the game in Nashville. They're like, you know, because McKinnon's sentiments are probably what his teammates will think and where the hell are we going to play this game if we don't play it now let's just get it out of the way but they didn't think the next four games were going to get rescheduled anyway yeah yeah i mean i don't know i don't know i guess this is a good time to talk about total beverage i feel like we all need a drink right now so everybody knows total beverage in westminster and thornton right sure total beverage has an incredible selection of beer wine and spirits but did you know that they also deliver did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. I mean, I don't know, Arif. I know it's, it just sounds like I've got my hands thrown up in the air because I, I do. I don't have any answers. I don't have any opinions that is going to change the world and, and help get this to a better direction, right? And I, I think that's the issue is nobody really does. Some people have some ideas that what can make this better, but nobody has a proven system that, all right, this is what's going to fix everything. And it, it's, it's just so frustrating. I'm frustrated. You can hear Jared Bednar's frustrated. Kale McCarr's frustrated. All the players are frustrated, and it's just tough. It's just tough to deal with right now. And I don't know. I, you hate to try to create an exemption for athletes, right, and say, oh, well, maybe they shouldn't have to be tested so much. Who cares? Because the rest of us don't have to. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it, I don't know. It, you gotta, We still live in a society, to quote the great George Costanza. You live in a society. And uh, so, you know, it, I don't know. It's <laughs> such a weird balance to try to find here. But, yeah. The the one thing is like it's not creating it's not giving them an advantage that the rest of us don't have. It's not the entire world is in lockdown and they get to play and we don't get to go to our jobs. That's what what happened in the bubble and we saw the steps and the restrictions and the things they had to put in place to even make that happen. This is actually the opposite. This is NHL players going. Why is the guy that works at Walmart not getting tested and he sees more people than I do on the ice and he interacts and is within six feet of more people than me? That's I think that's the thing right now is it's going the other way where, again, like I, I work, I have jobs, I do things, you do too. I was at the Mile High Sports Studio and I talked to four or five other guys and those four or five other guys – uh, some of them are in the Broncos locker rooms or not locker rooms, but media rooms. Some of them, the Nuggets, some of them have other office jobs and talk to other people and we're not getting tested every day. So if you're Gabe Landeskog, you're like, why me? So I don't know. It's just everything is rough right now. It's 
Uh, it's I'm with you. Like my hands are thrown. The only thing that I can do is kind of generate my ideas of, you know, create these opinions and thoughts and beliefs of what I think should happen. And Steve Eisenman did the same thing and everybody else is doing the same thing. And you know what? Some hockey players are thinking. Similarly, some of them are thinking the other way where it's like we need to take more precautions and everybody has their own situations. I mean, a kid, a guy that goes home and has a family of four or five or six and kids that are young enough where they can't even get vaccinated because it's not eligible for them yet. I can see them being like, no, 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 you need to test me every day. I can't go home to my toddler. Like, no way. I need to know if I have this thing or not. In the NFL, they're allowing players to voluntarily get tested if that's the case. And, you know, that's that's a situation that could solve that problem. So I don't know. There's Something's going to change uh, within the next week and a half. We're just going to have to find out what it is. But there's no way in hell the NHL sitting back right now going, yeah, we'll just take this day by day. No, they're coming up with a plan. Something's going to change. With that being said, it's 6.30 p.m. right now, Mountain Time. I just got the uh, calendar notification because the Avalanche and Lightning game is starting in half an hour. So let's wrap this up, baby. We got a puck drop to get to. (laughs) I'd be curious. You know, I wish we could talk to the players that are testing positive for COVID because I'd be curious about their overall mindset. Like you're saying, it's probably a mixed bag full of, you know, players that are super pissed off and frustrated or players that are preferring to be a little bit more on the safe side. But you got to assume that they're all wanting to play and they're all wanting to get this I I guess I don't know I get undermine it a little bit right I, like you're saying I don't know if undermining is the right word because the rest of the world isn't going through the same stuff as them but you know I, I'd be curious to see what the consensus is among the players of you know if they're being overly cautious right now or if they're comfortable with how safe they're being or if this you know feels like it's overkill uh, I, I'd really be interested but I guess we won't really know about that until years after all this has passed if it ever passes it might just be something we have to live with forever and that's the reality is it probably is going to be something we have to live with forever and keep getting your booster shots keep listening to the health professionals and uh i think the route it's going to end up going is if you're asymptomatic you're not going to get tested and that that just might be it i mean again if I had COVID last week, which I didn't, by the way, I ended up getting tested the next day because I was curious. But if I had COVID last week and, you know, I still was in the media room, I still talked to Jared Bednar. You, how far away is that front row seat from what Jared Bednar sits that I usually sit in? Four feet? I was still I in. Say, I would say it's more than six. You would say? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's not like they're keeping me six feet away. I could have. I mean, when I go up and grab my phone mm-hmm. off the table, I'm within like inches of Jared. I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've fist bumped players after games before grabbing my phone off the table. Like they're not implementing these strict rules to make sure that I'm staying six feet away. What if at my other job I got COVID and then I came in like, there's just, there's so many things like this isn't 2020 again, where everybody was following. Well, for the most part, everybody was following very strict protocol and rules around the world and around society to make sure that you don't spread this deadly thing. It's it's different now. Yeah. And like you pointed out, I don't think the death rate of the Omicron variant is nearly what everybody was expecting it to be. So um, because vaccines work. Mm hmm. So that being said, let's wind this podcast down, and we wanted to end with a three stars of the week, but rather than the week, we're going to make them of the season, right? It's an appropriate time to kind of look back and assess as at everything the Avalanche have done as a whole, 27 games in, not nearly as much as a lot of NHL teams out there, um, but plenty for us to assess and kind of pick and point who has impressed so far. So that being said, let's start off with star number three of the Avalanche season so far. We're going to give that to Val Nachushkin. He's scoring a ton of goals, a couple of them shorthanded, and you know we've pumped his tires a lot so far this season on this podcast. I don't know if we're going to say anything we haven't said yet, but we have to acknowledge his play 27 games through the season so far because he's been a pivotal piece, especially with all the players going down, injuries, COVID, what have you. He's been a consistent guy to step up and perform. 27 games is the one-third point of the season. Valerie Nachushkin is on pace for 30 goals and 48 points this year, and he missed nine of those 27 games. So to put that into easier terms, 10 goals, 6 assists, 16 points in 18 games. 
he's absolutely like he's been outstanding. By the way, looking back at that Nashville game and everybody's numbers, Val Nichushkin played 25 minutes and 47 seconds in that Nashville game. If that doesn't tell you all you need to know about the COVID thing, but we're done with that. We're talking about positivity right now. <laughs> Val Nichushkin has been we talked about it last episode. He's been a breath of fresh air. The development this guy has taken, he's been one of the Avalanche's better pieces the last few years defensively, playing the power play, playing the PK. He's got that long stride. He kind of gallops into the zone, very Evgeny Malkin-like, big body, so on and so forth. And now he's learning to finish and score goals, and he's suddenly that much more effective. His 10 goals already match what he had last year. He's turned himself into an impact player rather than just a role player, right? He's going out there and he's making things happen. You know, when I, when I placed that bet heading into the Nashville game, that was part of my thought. Like, oh, wow, you know, maybe I should cash this bet out. But no, they still have Miko. They still have Nathan McKinnon. They still have Val Nichushkin and they still have Nazem Kadri out there. This should be fine, but it wasn't. Um, but yeah, Nichushkin is now suddenly a guy that gives me a little bit of hope and gives me, I guess, uh, you know, some... Uh, some uh, what's the word I'm looking for some relief relief is the word yeah relief in uh, my concerns so um yeah shout out to Val Nishuskin so far this year star number two if you just mix the the letters of two a little bit you can get the the last name of this guy and that's Devon Taves you can write the word two if you use the letters in his last name that's what I'm getting at anyway Devon Taves has been fantastic this season in the short amount of time we played right you, like you pointed out this is a a third of the way through the season and he hasn't even played a majority of those games so the the impact that he's had in such a small window of time has been great love to see it wish we could have seen him for more time but had to deal with some injury now dealing with some COVID issues um, but Devon Taves obviously a huge member of the team and and missed when he's not around He's played 16 games. He's missed 11. Four goals, 16 assists, 20 points, plus 19. He's already got five power play points, by the way, which is a big one for me because this is not a guy that you expect to be a big power play performer. He only had six power play points in the entire season last year with the Avs. And before that, he had 10 with the Islanders over two years. So he's already at five. He's shooting 12%. He's got that offensive you know, prowess that we didn't know he had to this level. And we've talked about it before. He's got that old school slap shot from the blue line. That's just so fun to watch because not a lot of defensemen still do that, especially on the power play. So shout out to Devon Taves. He is that piece that we had no idea. He was good and we knew he was good. We had no idea he was this good. And he has easily supplanted Samuel Gerrard, Bowen Byram, and all these other guys as the second most important defenseman on this team. And going into last year, going into this year, Man, that was not something that I thought I would say. I thought Sam Gerrard would be up there with him, and I thought Bo Byram would pass him pretty quick. And Bo Byram's had an excellent season, and Sam Gerrard's still doing his Sam Gerrard thing, and Devon Taves is still looking ahead compared to those guys. And all those power boy points have come on PP2, right? That's one thing that's happened this year a lot is I get giddy every time PP2 scores a goal because A, the guys that they've had in and out of the lineup directly affects PP2 more than it does PP1, right? You have PP1 can be nice and strong, and you get the strongest guy out of PP2 and throw him into PP1 when you need um, to mix and match. But PP2 kind of struggles a little bit more trying to throw some people to plug in there. And when they're scoring, I mean, it, it's just a great sign for the for the structure of the power play, I think, and for guys like Devontae. So um, shout out to PP2 and well, they, Devontae. They finally, yeah. They, they finally have the depth to make that second power play unit a lot more lethal than it was. I mean, with a fully healthy lineup minus Bo and Byram that we saw a couple games here before all the COVID stuff started happening, PP2 was Burakovsky, Newhook, Nichushkin, Gerard, and Taves. That's a damn good unit. And if Bo and Byram was healthy, who's he going to take over for? Like, Bo should be playing on the power play. He was leading the number one PP unit for a little while there early in the season. Where should Bo play? Like, is he going to take over Gerard and Taves? Probably not. And that's the other thing. They got two defensemen on that second PP unit, and that's not something you see a lot around the league anymore. So, like, everything about it is just a lot of fun to watch. And and Jared Bednar's starting to use them more. It used to be that top unit gets 130, 140 of every two minutes, and that's not the way it is anymore. And, you know, granted, that's because the second unit used to be, like, Gabriel Bork, Carl Soderberg, Matt Calvert, and, like... God knows who Eric Johnson. It was it wasn't the same as it was now. Yeah, I think I want a an Avs jersey that says PP two on the back. 
because I'm cheering mm-hmm. for those guys hard because of what you just said. We've spent so long having that be kind of, you know, very, very whatever. Yeah. Even last year, there were games where it was like randomly Sampo Ranta's on there, but at even strength, he's on the fourth line. He hasn't scored yet. Like everything about what the Avalanche finally have this year. And I think the big thing for them is Alex Newhook because what Alex Newhook has done is given Nazem Kadri the ability to be on that top power play unit where your second PP unit isn't centered by JT Comfort or Tyson Jost. You know, a couple guys that you might not want to be on a strong power play unit. Now you have this offensive weapon in Newhook who's also a center. He's a third option centerman for the Avalanche who has offensive abilities. And you're playing him with guys like Nichushkin who we just talked about having sort of grown into a more offensive role, Andre Burakovsky, who was a weapon always, and Taves and Gerard, Taves being the other guy that's, you know, kind of grown into a more offensive role and Gerard who always puts up points. So now you have this strong second unit. I think Newhook is so close to being a huge offensive producer. He's getting there. He's getting Isn't there, he? right? You can Oof. see him you can see him he's really so trying good. for it and really trying to force it. And it's just he still has some comfort to figure out among the NHL but once he gets comfortable and uh, you know a little bit less tense he's gonna he's gonna bury so many goals I I can see it in him already um it's coming it's coming mm -hmm. and that brings us to star number one through the first third of the season has to go to Kale McCarr I mean scoring goals at an impressive clip right we haven't seen him score like this before in the past we've seen we've known he's has the potential and the ceiling to be great but now that he's actually putting in goals to compliment the rest of his game he, he's an absolute unstoppable player and he's now the new norm and the new bar for defensemen in the NHL yeah the crazy thing is Kel McCarr has missed four of the Avalanche's games so when you want to take into account what his pace is you don't go over 82 games you're going to go over 78 over 78 games he's on pace for 44 goals 44 assists 88 points he's a defenseman it's unbelievable so shout out to Kelmacar. Like everything he's doing right now is just outstanding. Yeah, except for testing positive. Not not so great, but hey, I, I don't know if that was in his control so much or of not. Clutch, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's also shooting twenty percent, but the crazy thing is like it doesn't look like he's on one of those like benders where it's like, Yeah, let's just take advantage of this high shooting percentage. It's like, no, he's that good of a shooter, I think. Yeah, and he's just so smooth and can go coast-to-coast at will. So I want to see more coast-to-coast plays out of him just because they're so silky, silky smooth. Um, But, yeah, those are three stars of the first third of the season, Val Nachushkin, Devon Taves, Kale McCarr. Um, What I will say about that is there's two things that I have to mention. Number one, it's very easy to give Nazem Kadri the first star, and that's why I didn't do it because I kind of wanted to go a little bit off the boards. But I do want to shout out Nazem Kadri because 11 goals and 38 points in 24 games is unfreaking believable But I think the surprising thing about, about those other guys is as much as what Kadri's doing is something we never expected, I don't think we ever expected McCarr to score at a 44-goal pace. I don't think we ever expected Devon Taves to score at more than an 80-point pace and Val Nachushkin to score at more, more than a 40-goal pace. So what they're doing is just crazy. And what this says to me is everybody on this team is pulling their weight and playing way above what we thought. Yeah, I agree. I think with Nazem Kadri, I think it's not surprising to see him play this way, right? You know he's capable of it. You know it's in there somewhere. Whereas Kale McCarr, it hasn't been something we've seen from him so far. Devon Taves, you know, as long as he's already been in an avalanche, it still feels like we're getting to know him by the game and, and you know, as time develops. And, of course, Nachushkin, he's turned into a completely different player since he joined the avalanche. So I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, ultimately what I did when I put together those three stars is I wanted to give Val a little bit more recognition um, and not to take that away from Nazem Kadri, because I think Kadri's had the most first stars throughout this early part of the season. But I literally wanted to give it to Val to kind of highlight the fact that you can give Val, Kale, and Devon the three stars, and nothing about that seems off until you realize that not only is Nazem Kadri missing from that list, but the entire first line is missing from that list. And that's kind of I it's it's kind of a way to look at like just look at how many weapons this team has right now. Right. And that's not to say that the top line has been bad. They just haven't been 
extraordinary. They've been good. They've just been regular old good, which is which is fine. How hilarious is that? McKinnon, 24 points in 17 games. Landeskog, 27 points in 22 games. Miko Rantanen, 30 points in 24 games. They are all lighting the league on fire right now. But so is Kel McCarr. So is Nazem Kadri. So is Devon Taves. So is Valerie Nachushkin. And so is Andre Burakovsky, who's got 12 goals in 25 games. And that's what's you know that's what's kept the avalanche afloat lately, right? Is each of those guys that you've named have recently carried an entire game by themselves, and that's kind of what you've seen. One guy is stepping mm-hmm. up, and he's usually not a a depth guy. It's one of your key players, like Makar, like Burakovsky, like Nachushkin, and they're they're the ones that are taking over and kind of winning the games by themselves. Which you know, what you got to take them any way you can get them at this point. But I think that's that's an interesting part of this team is you're seeing one guy step up suddenly when they need it a lot. And that doesn't even take into account that Newhook is scoring at a 27 goal pace. It doesn't even take into account that JT Confers rebounded in a big way with 11 points in 15 games. Bo Byram's got four goals and nine points in only 13 games. Everybody's favorite depth guy to talk about this season, Logan O'Connor, has been lighting the league on fire. Sam Gerrard, we don't talk about him a lot because of Taves, because of Makar, because of Byram, quietly has 16 points in 25 games. Like, who on this team is not pulling their weight? When you look at Darren Helm, do you think that he's been a bust? No, he's been everything you want from this team and more. Nicholas Obey Kubel. I like love this guy. his addition to isn't this he, team. Isn't he great? Like this guy came out of nowhere and he's playing a role. Tyson Jost. You know how I always talk about Tyson Jost doesn't really have much of an offensive pedigree. He's got four goals and five point four goals and five assists. That's a lot more than I thought he did. Eric Johnson's got eleven points in twenty seven games. Like he's doing his part too. Eric Johnson hasn't missed a game yet. Knock on wood. Like. Who on this team is not pulling their weight right now? Jack Johnson's been fun to watch. Ryan Murray was a good puck mover. We talked about Curtis McDervin last game. Jacob McDonald's played seven games at forward and defense. Uh, and then, you know, after that, you kind of get into all the depth guys, the Maltsevs, the Barons, the Matos, the Grosses. So I need to see more out of the goaltenders, Arif. I know Kemper's been improving. Yes. He's been fine. But I still need to see more out of him. And obviously, Francis, we we definitely need to see more out of him since we only seen him in one game, and it was not his best performance. We got to see Pavel Francis get back to the Pavel Francis we all know and love, and then I'll be happy. Yeah, and that's the was going to be the next thing that I say is I'm talking about everybody but the goalies, and sure uh, it was. That's sure. where that, <laughs> that that's where things got to get picked up because there's a big fat goose egg by that shutouts that you and I always talk about. So. Hopefully Kemper and Frankie pick it up. They don't got to be as good as Gruby was last year because this team is better than the team that played in front of Gruby. They just got to be good enough to win games. And right now they're kind of there, but there's a lot of room for improvement. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I guess that's uh, that'll do it for our Saturday edition of the podcast here, Hockey Mountain High. Don't forget to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and Total Beverage in both Thornton and Westminster, and thanks for hanging out with us. Here we are. Supposed to be at the Avs game watching the defending Stanley Cup champions, and maybe Andre Vasilevsky was everybody's favorite goalie in the NHL right now, but instead we're at home in quarantine. Yep, puck drop should be in about 20 minutes, and uh, I'm going to Detroit to not cover a hockey game, so... That yeah, should be well, fun. I guess uh, that being said, everybody gear up for Christmas. It's going to be in exactly one week. We'll be back to talk to you a couple times before then, so I'm not going to wish you a Merry Christmas just yet. But, um, yeah, I am going to say thanks for hanging out with us on this Saturday night weekend edition podcast. And if you're listening on Sunday, extra kudos to you because I can't imagine many people listen to podcasts on Sunday. Especially on a Sunday where your team is off for another eight or nine days. So shout yeah. out to all you listeners. We love you very much. Absolutely. So that being said, if you made it this far in the podcast or even listened to the podcast at all, bless your pretty little heart. I know this one wasn't the easiest to listen to. It wasn't the easiest to discuss, but we did it anyway, and we did it for you guys. So don't forget, hockey's for everyone, and we got you.